Kia ora, hi mai, and welcome to Pack Mentality, a New Zealand Malifaux podcast focused on competitive play for Weird's Malifaux 3rd edition. Today we are joined by your hosts, Mike, Brendan, and Hamish. Round four, which is Skunkworks. So it's a relatively new and very spicy map. Um, the, the main thing with this map, there's a decent mix of different types of terrain, but the main thing for this one is that there is a one-inch wall that pretty much intersects the entire map down on a diagonal, um, and then it's interspersed out into like a few different sections of it. So most of the map has a well, various sections of one-inch height walls around it. Um, there is a decent smattering of concealing fog banks around that as well, and then there's also some um, pools and a few buildings and such around. Um, this is corner COVID operations, so corner deployment with, I would say, a pretty pro uh, like restrictive um, unpack for many of the deployment zones. Like the lower left is really, really congested. You're like squished between a building, another building, a train track, and three big um, boxes. And then there's the walls in various places to contest with. Um, but then top right also has some pools and buildings. So this will be an interesting one. I think a lot of crews will need to be damn quick to actually get out and enact their game plan. Um, so anyway, corner covert operations on Skunkworks. We have assassinate, hit a spread them out, public demonstration, and then we have secret meetup. Um, I think this one will be super critical that you make it clear with your opponent for secret meetup where these terrain sections begin and end because that um, central wall, like there are several very big segments of wall. So <laughs> I think it's going to be critical that people are really clear really early before they start even um, even hiring models, how they define that. Um, all right, Brendog, tell us all the good guild goss for this one. Uh, corner covert. Uh, I mean, I think when by process of elimination, you're not really removing that much looking at the scheme pool. We're kind of not doing most of these. You're kind of limiting yourself to assassinate hidden martyrs and secret meetup just by showing up in red. Um, public demonstration is untakeable. Uh, spread them out is like very hard for guild to score, so I think you are pretty limited there. Your options are... Uh, hmm... I, w I was considering Dattle 1, uh, because summoning Reach 2 models just seems like the finest thing you can possibly do in this map. Um, unironically, Bass 2 might be, like, playable uh, in a lot of circumstances. He's nigh-on unkillable, he picks up uh, a lot of scheme markers uh, for spread them out, but he just, like, doesn't care about the terrain at all. Um, he's also got a 2-inch engage and a 2-inch henchman, you might find me playing him, or you might also just find me playing Tell One. I uh, this is this is really really good for Tell. Um, lots of free movement, lots of um, stuff that sort of gets in and around the terrain features. But I think as well, just like Covert Operations is is the murder strat that you really want to be bringing a lot of um, splash damage into um, as a just in case. And I think Tell is very very good at that. Generally speaking, I'm so stoked to hear bass get mentioned in a positive light so i mean i'm hyping that and if you don't pick him now i'll be disappointed son <laughs> you also can pick him just keep that in mind hey 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 now hey now let's let's be careful bass at explorers is a very different beast um without okay, that like leadline it. coat <laughs> it's the leadline coat and it's the fact that his like not giving a shit about terrain is what our whole faction already does um 
Hamish, I'm keen to hear from you from a Reza perspective. What are we thinking for this one? It really does depend. Um, I love Karai into this sort of pool. She's uh, Karai 2. Karai 1 is dead to me. Uh, Karai 2 is very fast. Very fast. Um, she can move most of her crew up to near the center line in short order and herself at the same time. So I love playing Karai. I know a lot of people don't love playing Karai in this sort of pool because they're like, ah, oh, your things died too fast. I'm like, I just need like four things to survive. It's all good. I start with 10 or 11. Um, but against the the map really helps because there is fog, which I often do not care about. And playing the spooky ghost faction, I don't care about the size one wall. So I can use it a lot to my advantage. Gwisin are great. They pick up scheme markers very, very easily. They all have Trail of Gore. So the crew lends itself to a positive game plan and also an easy denial plan. And I can, you say public demo is garbage, but I, the Karai crew is the one crew that I have ever picked it and ever done well with it. So I look at that and I go, I can pick it, whether I do or not is a different kettle of fish altogether. Um, so map plays well into it but also you can play stuff like um jackdaw not as fast you're kind of relying more on enslaved spirits to push yourself around uh, which you still can do uh, and um guilty taking double walk actions has never killed a guilty before uh i don't like stoke on this sort of thing because his crew likes to target stuff and delete it stuff and often when you're down to like three models near the end, um, you tend to lose out on the covert side of the game plan. Um, shout out to Seamus. Uh, his crew can just do whatever they want as well with Seamus playing the keep away battle. Um, uh, Castor has a lot of play onto this. He does get into a little bit of trouble, but Castor 2 has a two inch and will just hold the center for all of all of his life. But also Barbaros, bring it, can just start picking stuff off, but <clears throat> uh, does come into issues on the choke points, does come into issues over the wall, that sort of thing. I think there's a solid case for all the ones you mentioned, but it's the, the Karai one, which really has me thinking, yeah, that sounds super spicy. Because those enslaved spirits, when they die, you get another ski marker. You get a ski marker within three, which, yeah. Which just seems great for um, that, like ensuring that extra point for secret meetup, for example, right? The, the death of the game, because they have like a way they can even kill themselves. Like, yep. I interact, I charge. Oh, I hit. Well, also I died, and he has another ski. Oh, look, secret meetup. Lol. Um, Lol. <laughs> plus, of course, spread them out. Like, spread them out is one which, you know, to the point Brendan made earlier, you don't really want to be spending good AP to do it, but hey, if you've got a three stone in corporeal model, that's that is good. significant. Yeah. Oh yes. Um that is the, you... also the downside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you feel about Kirai when assassinates there? Is she normally like tough enough she's as fine. long as yours? Okay, yeah. So she doesn't really get uh right? she's often within eight of everything else anyway. <laughs> and if you're worried about assassinate, you have at least two Gwison with GST <clears throat> Oh excuse me. Right. With GST and take the hit that just will keep her safe until they die. And then in which case she's leaving 
because she can uh, on a trigger ignore terrain and just be like, see a nerd. Um, but often I will have her within eight, within twelve of stuff to just try get the um, join us triggers off stuff. Uh, yeah. So often there'll be like you'll have Ikeria within range, you'll have two Gwisin within range, you'll have Datsuba within range. So there's a lot of stuff keeping her alive, and if you manage to splash the adversary on, she gets a lot harder to target and damage again. Right. Yeah, but yeah, like if, if they start snowballing you and you start losing out, you've lost by that point anyway. So if, if they're True. scoring Assassinate, you've already lost, is, is how I will approach that. That's probably a good point, yeah. Just remind me, for summoned models for this one, so it says, at the end of each turn, each player reveals their chosen models for the turn and may remove a claim token from one of their chosen models that is not engaged by an enemy model to claim the strat. Um, a summoned model can deny that, right? believe so uh imagine if we had access to the mws faq so there is no official weird ruling on that but uh we have made a handy week guide in our faq about uh which things do and which things do not because this um, is always the way with god the stash right yes they're differently worded and we're not talking insignificant summons they never matter because this does say engaged by an enemy model so insignificant models never matter but if it is a significant summon model, like, say, an Enslaved Spirit or a Gwisson or whatever, although you can't summon Gwisson, but you can summon an Honor. Uh, Goryo. Uh, you... Gaki, Gaki, sorry, Gaki. Yeah, Gaki's, yeah, yeah. If you have a look in Section 5, Encounters, uh, do models with summon upgrades and freshly unburied Soulstone Miners that are engaging a model prevent the engaged model from scoring covert operations? That's actually a typo. That should read uh, that are engaging an enemy model. Um, but yes, Covert Operations only cares if a model is engaged by an enemy model. It does not look at summon upgrades, and unburied models are only discounted for friendly strategies. Insignificant models, uh, no. Covert Operations cares if models are engaged by an enemy model. Since insignificant models are ignored to strats and schemes, Covert Ops sees that a model is engaged, but does not see an enemy model. Yes. So that, to me, says even more stocks in the Karai potential. It also says stocks in... English Listen. Ivan, who oh. would probably be my pick. <laughs> um, Ivan too. It's, it's maybe, but even Ivan won, right? Because you summon point blank into someone's face. Yeah. Um, I It's COVID Ops. Jin is so powerful here already. And the fact that I would get to spend only seven stones on him rather than eight seems pretty nice. I do not play a ton of Ivan, but this map is also good for him because there's forests and there's like four big, oh, five big fog banks around. Um, so he seems good for that. You've got Eva Haverhand. She's got a two-inch engage and can push people around. I believe it's just part of the attack Eva, as well. Eva Haverhand? Yeah, she has, she has at least one <laughs> hand. Who? Yeah. Eva who? I, I can't confirm. At least one hand. Um, at least one. Havenhand. Oh my gosh. Why do, you, why do you not know how to speak English, bro? Hey, hey, hey. It's Havenhand. So, um, Eva has a hand. Has a hand. Um, <laughs> so, but bu- built into her electric whip, if she hits someone, they must pitch a card, or you can push them. That's good. Two-inch reach. That's even better. Secret passage, mate. Now you enforcer dies to a stiff breeze. Gotcha. Sure, but who cares, right? This isn't cursed objects. Just slap a, so- a flush with cash on her. You'll be fine. No way. Wait, is that that's minion locked, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the good the good part is minion locked. You let I was it die. Say that, that's fine. The bit where you shuffle your shit in, yeah. 
it's fine. Like the Ivan crew dies, but before it dies, it scores and it stops you scoring. And so I could see a case for both versions of Ivan. Ivan 1 and 2 both have play here. I, I kind of slightly prefer Ivan 2. I think he's slightly better for a number of like manipulating the battlefield. But Ivan 1 is pretty good as well. If you get down your Shadow Markers, he becomes almost unkillable. That's pretty good for Assassinate. And then the fact you can shoot someone and summon like a Deva right in their face to deny them scoring a strat. That's pretty good as well. Um, so I think there's a lot of play for both Ivans here in this pool. And um, he loves these fog banks. He loves these right. fog banks. Um, loves Mord- Mordrake is stupidly good for hidden martyrs. I mean, there are some things which which can counter him, but most crews kind of Manos. don't. And, and yeah, sure, Manus is like lol, but a lot of people can't, and then mm. they just kind of get shanked by it, and it's great. Um, and meanwhile, things like secret meetup. Again, we have a billion ways to move and reposition models, so that becomes doable. I would probably still avoid public demonstration, of course, but between the available choices in this pool, there's like several decent options. And honestly, English Ivan 1 with a bunch of focus, just shooting your master, that's pretty good for assassinate. Like, if I flip three cards a turn at you with min 3 and or summon Brock Inspectors and then push them and make them slap you and now you can't heal... Now you're having irreducible damage. Like, yeah, I don't hate it. Plus, if I play Ivan, I actually get to have a tools for the job model, which is just... Gibby! <laughs> old Gibbs. Gibby. He comes out and this is where he shines. Um, so yeah, that that's probably who I would look at, honestly. Um, Nexus is extremely powerful for COVID operations. There are several uh, deployment zones which would be terrible for them here. If my opponent was attacker and put me in like the lower left or the upper right for that matter, I think Nexus would be shafted real bad. But I think if I got to be attacker, I might pick lower right if I felt more comfortable with Nexus than Ivan and you would have a decent game because they are very good for COVID ops and assassinates really hard to do against them. Um, so I think Nexus is like another decent consideration. Alrighty, welcome back to round four. So we've obviously already gone through and spoken about our on the blind picks. Uh, so we're just going to have a kick through and talk about our games from this round. Hamish, let's start off with you. How was your game? My opponent had to concede for unforeseen circumstances. So I did not play. Uh, my matchup was going to be Karai v Maxine, and we got to about this building, and then he sadly had to bail. How about? How about you, Brandon? How did your game go? I similarly did not play my game uh, because of my opponent uh, not being able to meet uh, their obligations. Unfortunately, that is just kind of the nature of online plays, uh, particularly with international opponents. Us Kiwis don't make it easy. So there are a couple of moments where uh, things don't just line up, which is perfectly fine, and we just sort of take it in our stride as much as possible. I did uh, manage to get through... uh, a crew that I was really, really happy with. I spoke about wanting to play uh, something a bit spicy for this round, and I'm actually really excited for the fact that I didn't chicken out and actually declared uh, Sonya. Um, my list ended up being honestly pretty standard. I was trying out uh, Hexbow for the first time, and I think that it would have been really, really strong. Double spell eaters, all that jazz that you, you expect to see against the Nexus crew was actually feeling really good. Uh, we play tested a little bit. Uh, Michael and I uh, to sort of see how our lists 
were running on the map and, and just sort of make sure the unpack made sense. Uh, but for the most part, I was really looking forward to the game and it was sort of proving to be a bit of a banger. But unfortunately, that's them breaks. So, Michael, tell us about your experience. Please tell me you played your game. Indeed, I actually played my game and it may or may not have been because I was against another New Zealander. So that might have helped the time zone quandary somewhat. Uh, I played against Maniacal Cackle, who we've mentioned several times already, the madman himself. Uh, so it was Rezas against uh, Explorers. I locked in English Ivan as I'm playing um, Scorpius. In fact, Golden Scorpius, and he picked Molly. He was sort of deliberating between the entire Reza faction as to what he wanted to play. Ended up defaulting to his main, who he's very comfortable with and is very scary on. I barely play any Ivan at all, so I was very intimidated. But I decided to do it because the map looked good for him. Frankly, the strat seemed all right for him. I think Covert Ops is the place where Ivan makes a bit of sense for a couple of different reasons. Um, firstly, Ivan 1, the summons actually matter. And for Ivan 2, with the manipulation and um, kidnapping abilities and repositioning abilities that he has, that's very, very powerful for Covert Ops. Um, so I decided he was the play. Went ahead and picked him. Um, so looking at the crews, uh, let's go by Maniacal Cackle's crew first. So he was uh, Molly 1. He hired the Necrotic Machine. He hired Archie, a Krooligan. Uh, he hired a Dead Rider. And then he went a bit of out of keyword action with Manos the Risen, whom he very much adores. And Anna Lovelace as the tech pick here to say, screw you, Ivan. Uh, and lastly, he bought a an upgrade for Molly the Whisper. So he had a three Soulstone cache, which is pretty small given that Assassinate's in the pool. But, I mean, he's got a very dangerous front line, and Molly's usually quite hard to actually take on. So I think he kind of calculated that, I would say, pretty correctly. Um, the crew that I decided on was uh, Ivan 1. I was deliberating Ivan 2 for a long while, and I thought he had a lot of legs in this. He's really durable and annoying to deal with. The problem is, I know Archie's coming, and he Archie kind of dunks on Ivan 2 because his aura doesn't do anything. Um, and also... If he brings the dreaded double-hanged build, which uh, Cackle is very fond of, I feel like Ivan 2 just like kind of concedes on the spot. Like, I don't think he's even a game. There's nothing you can realistically do. Whereas at least Ivan 1, you've got your Brock Inspectors to have a chance. So we went Ivan 1. Um, we brought Mr. Mordrake. We brought Gibson to Walt, Jin Bakara, and Eva Havenhand. Pretty staple within the keyword, I would say. Uh, Winston Finnegan, also pretty close to staple. Very good support model. And then our spice pick was the Iron Matron, just as a generic fighting model that can actually stand up and take a charge from something like an Archie and, and not immediately fold like the rest of the keyword. Um, I sort of picked her as well as, as a place where I can dump some um, healing, fast focus, all that sort of jazz into a model to actually get some value from all the support models around her. And so that was the crew I, I ended up going for. Um, I had eight soulstones in my cache, very mindful that we have multiple henchmen and that assassinates in the pool, and I was not interested in having Ivan get killed too quickly. Uh, also, I find even with the plus flips that he can get, sometimes you still need to stone for that crow if you're desperate to summon a Brocken, for example, or if you're desperate to just make sure you get your min three three times, if that's your goal. Uh, and so I did want a nice, healthy cache for that. Um, so I was lower right. And uh, sort of unpacked to just kind of get Iron Matron a decent distance up the board with fast and focus for turn two. Um, sort of spreading out and pushing forward as best I could. And then sort of yeeted 
Ivan right towards the end of the turn to try and summon a Brock Inspector against Manos. And of course, the Black Joker turned up, so <laughs> so that was not to be. It was pretty crushing. Um, but uh, we managed to fight a very scrappy game where I, I, I Black Jokered against Manos later on as well, which would have finished him off and required further firepower to eventually bring him down. Um, but it was a very, very scrappy game with lots of little incremental tight things. Uh, Anna Lovelace drastically changes how a game looks. Um, she went right in the middle, as I predicted. So I took Secret Meetup against her with the Iron Matron. Uh, Manako Kakel also predicted this, so he took the exact same things um, with the same models picked for Secret Meetup. Uh, the two terrain features that we picked were literally touching each other, so <laughs> it was pretty hard to avoid that I guess you could say a clusterfuck in the middle. So we both scored points of that quite easily. They're very hard models to shift. Um, outside of that, he did opt to try take assassinate and uh, wasn't able to do that. I just played super safe with Ivan. Um, he did at one stage go all in to try and kill him with Archie, but I had a bunch of shadow markers around and was able to just hand out all the damage to the shadow markers instead. And, of course, having Winston around, I was able to also rescue and heal Ivan a couple of times, which went a long way to keeping him next to his Shadow Markers and topping up his health pool. Um, I took Hidden Mudders on Eva Havenhand, I believe, uh, and our good friend, uh, Mr. Mordrake. Uh, one of them eventually died in like the mid-game to score me a point. Um, it was a really, really close game. I managed to win by a single point right at the very end, basically at the death of it, with some very, very tight play it looked like it would be a draw but i managed to in one english ivan activation remove a scheme marker of his drop two of my own to secure secret meetup and ask a brock inspector to push so that he got in the way of anna lovelace so she couldn't walk back to contest one of the strat markers uh, for covert ops so it felt like a really big brain english ivan activation where you don't even attack at all you're literally using the interact action twice and, and things like that, which is good times. Um, so that was good fun. I guess the standout highlight was managing to bury Archie. Uh, Mr. Mordrake threw him into a shadow marker and I managed to keep him there for, throughout most of the turn um, and then ultimately decided it wasn't worth my continued investment just based on how easily Molly can free him. So, um, But it was good while it lasted and I enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting game. Very, very tough game. Very, very enjoyable game. Um, and Michael Cackle's a great opponent and very daunting one at that, especially with all the experience he has on on Molly. Um, but overall, absolutely thrilled with a win with a master that I don't play very often. So that's what I would, I would say for, for this round four for me. Would you say that sort of like the way you play when you play against someone like Cackle or someone that you know exceptionally well does that change the way you approach either list building or uh, anything like that yes definitely i didn't want to actually hire something like the iron matron i and i didn't want an eight stone cash i like to play little dudes and i was really wanting to hire an operative possibly two operatives or say an operative and a nocturne especially given that it's covert ops i want to have bodies and be able to spread out i much prefer big body count crews and so that's my preference against um Michael cackle that's not going to work because he's got multiple leap models that i know he'll go after and i know he heavily prioritizes killing those scoring models it's um he's talked about it very openly in the past he wants to hunt down 
your necropunk and those kinds of things and the nocturne's even easier to kill so it did influence my list building i decided instead of going down that more familiar route i would go lots of henchmen with a massive cash um and only seven models which for me is very few i i almost always build eight model crews these days if not nine and so settling for only eight for me is a little bit outside of my comfort zone so it did influence my my crew construction so I suppose then for uh, players who are unfamiliar with their opponents, we obviously have the benefit of knowing Cackle personally, and he's a relatively prominent figure uh, in the community as well. Uh, what do you think the best pieces of advice would be for people who are coming against sort of that unknown, but but feel like they may be at a disadvantage in that sense? I mean, it, it's going to vary in your matchups and what you are comfortable with, to be honest. I think generally, as most Malifaux players would recommend, you stick to your core, the things that you've got your reps on. We've typically seen that a great counter-tech model is only going to be pretty mediocre if you've never practiced with it. And sometimes you can get in your own head thinking you know what someone's going to bring uh, or being really worried about the various options that they could bring. You end up picking some really out there, outlandish tech picks, which can come up short uh, and then end up really feeling quite silly because they're not going to pull off what you think that they can pull off. So I, I firstly think, figure out your own game plan. You may not know what your opponent's bringing, but have a solid game plan of your own. And then as your secondary option, now start to consider what they may bring. In this instance here, for example, um, our first game plan was let's make sure we can score. And so we've got things like Ivan, Jin Bakara, Eva Havenhand. We've got the tools to make sure we can score if we need to. And then our secondary consideration is, okay, now that we've got that looked out, what are the scary things that Rezzes can bring? Okay, there's some great leap models. We probably don't want to play squishy models that need to hide to stay alive. That's probably not on the menu. What else do we need to consider? Okay, there's probably lots of hard to wound, so something with min 3 would be really appreciated. Uh, and so that's the way I would start to look at it more broadly and generally rather than specifics. Um, if you don't know what your opponent's bringing... Thinking broadly, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. We, in Malifaux, we like to think you need to be hyper-specific and have exact answers because um, the game generally rewards that. But you still need a broad kind of approach to have a, a solid foundation to build from. It's a really interesting thought. I think uh, we often approach a lot of problems, like you said, from that perspective of apply scalpel to the jugular and, and hope it sticks. But uh, coming prepared to something like a tournament or an online engaging event uh, with a very general game plan and playing proactively within your own skill set, I think it obviously has some value um, that cannot possibly be overlooked as you sort of improve yourself as a player. That's just an always interesting uh, question mark for me about how to approach. I, I play against a lot of people who I don't know and have never met before, so uh, oftentimes it can be a little bit daunting when you are trying to be an innovative list builder but um don't necessarily know what to expect from the players uh, across different metas so hey look um it sounds like you had a, a pretty challenging but rewarding game with uh cackle there i suppose let's take a move on to round five we'll play our preamble there and then we'll be back with our results from the round let us take a look at the fifth and final round um if we are crushing face this is probably where we're at the most difficult games so this is where we encounter radic who is just soloing damien one like a degenerate <laughs> love you radic um so round five 
Desolate Wasteland as the map. Um, Desolate Wasteland has a little bit of lava in it, but really it's just a bunch of random interspersed bits of blocking terrain. Um, there's a decent amount of line of sight blocking across the middle with a train, but other than that, decent line, lines of sight everywhere. We have Wedge Carver Path, a personal favorite. Uh, oh, it's going to be a real pain with this train right in the middle. Yes, indeed it will. Um, we have a very easy scheme pool, I would say. We have Breakthrough, Vendetta, Hidden Martyrs, Catch and Release, and Set the Trap. Um, I mean, those first three are, you know, those are the ones people want as soon as they show up. Those are so commonly picked. Catch and Release, I still find pretty good for something like a botanist um, or like an Anexus crew, but hardly necessary when those other three are so good. Set the Trap. Ah, I mean, if you're planning to table them, maybe. Speaking of tabling opponents, um, Brendog, what are we thinking for... I know that you quite like Carver Path, so um, talk talk us through it. Carver Path is by far my favorite strategy. I, I like, all-time favorite. Um, this pool is weirdly very challenging on this map. I don't know how to feel about this at first glance. Um... I think your initial thoughts will probably be like, oh, attacker defender matters quite a lot here. Um, and then quickly discount it because you have a lot of really aggressive sidelines. One of the things that I enjoy about Path is your opponent does, in theory, have to approach you in some way, shape, or form. And it being Wedge, you guys can see toe to toe with each other relatively quickly. Um, this is another pool where I am bringing Perdita to. If I feel like I've got the reps on her. Otherwise, it's just Tull um, in every every way, shape, or form. Probably Tull 2, uh, just because of the uh, free interacts here to battle is a fantastic ability. And then everything else, like like you said, Michael, this, this could not possibly be a better designed pool for uh, it's round 5. Everyone's tired. It's go-home time. We'll just pick up some easy stuff and, and see so you can get to 8 points first. I, I think that is, like, it's such a fantastic... It's not super challenging, but it is um, largely going to be tested against skill expression uh, in-game. So we're probably expecting to see, I think, pure power in these picks. There's going to be very little actual finesse and tricky stuff. You won't get away with, you know, kidnapping anything and and just walking away um, for the most part. But I think that there will be a lot of really, really strong stuff. There are some arguments to bringing lady justice into this pool i think that you can score carve relatively fine enough with an amount of death marshals um and slash death marshal recruiters but i think for the most part um being able to potentially pick up your opponent's key carve pusher and putting it into a coffin feels like you've done god's good work i'm not sure about the efficacy of that but i think that you are probably uh, not feeling fantastic about market crew into this pool, but hard to know exactly until you see what you're up against in terms of the uh, factional dynamic. Certainly seems like it's got some play against everyone's favourite outcast, Tara, who, from what I understand, is at least fairly decent at Carver Path. So, and I know Tara's like, ooh, Vendetta. Turns out Sion is free two points. Not against Marshall, it's not. Not against Guild, <laughs> it is not. Ha-ha. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it, it it has really good play, but I think that if if I were to play against Outcast, I am also really worried about Shill. Um, and Lady Justice Two is 
pretty reasonable in to them as well. You get to bury enough stuff and displace it, hopefully to the point where you can drop it in some lava and make it sad. But um, I think um, doesn't Von Schill just like be sad that he doesn't have enough AP for the strat? Like he is so powerful, but the universal complaint the Von Schill players make is that you only have two AP per dude, bro. And you're like, okay, I can crush my opponent, but it's pretty hard to push the marker. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, the other considerations in Outcast, uh, Tara Terry, maybe. I don't think Hamlin's particularly good at it. Jack Dor, I don't think it's fantastic at card. You should bring full guilty all the time list. Um, I, I just then. don't really... Pardon? Even then. Sorry, I was going to say Victoria's maybe. Yeah, but I mean... Vix in 2023 competitive meta. Kick W. I'm not. I'm not convinced you'd see them. Unfortunately, mm. um, I know, I know a, few... a lot of people rate her very highly, especially yeah. Vix Two. Yeah, I think they're fine. I think against Guild though, Vix Vix Two suck. Uh, I just you just what are you doing? You're just gonna fall over and die. You're gonna get buried and be sad. Um, yeah, other than that, like I I do think that Shill just has the lasting power against Guild, and you do lose that attrition more if they do decide that they're... actually. Levy. Levy might be a reasonable pick. Um, just because you do have... Uh, what are they called? Scavs. Uh, I mean, Scavs are great. But the, yeah, the, the punky dudes. They, they're, they're great. Um, they're pretty reasonable, particularly with scavengers being able to potentially pick up their, their suited leap cards. But um, I think you can deal with a lot of that relatively well. And again, burying stuff seems pretty reasonable too. Yeah, well, that was a two for the price of one. We learned a bit about Guild and Outcast. Um so that one's free. Um, talk us through Resurrectionists for round five there, Hamdog. Yeah. Um, my two main concerns is you get very bottlenecked very quickly if you cannot pick your deployment. Um, there's obviously this C-shaped train, which you can't push the markers through. Uh, and then the two hills on the, the north-south. Sorry, facing east-west deployment, you've got the two massive hills and the north side and the south side. So you're, if your opponent picks west side and your east, or like, forces you to come into those hills, they can choose their choke point that they can fight you on. So it's kind of like, do you pick Karai, who has AP for days to push markers and doesn't care about any of the terrain? Um, which is always my pick. I love, I love being like, oh, you pushed me into lava. Oh well, <laughs> but also like, uh, Castor two again. I'm just gonna rattle, just go down the list of my favorite things and go from there. Castor two. Uh, he himself ignores severe and hazardous, so is able to fight their carve markers and is very efficient at stat seven at killing anything that pushes a carve marker. Uh, calf marker, not a calf barker. Here we are. Pack mentality. Dogs are bound. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> Don't start. No, no. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> 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 uh, down, boy. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's it's difficult. Like, my gut is like, just play Karai, dumbass. But um, you can also build the Karai. Again, you can build the Karai crew to ignore vendetta their catcher and release targets are karai or akirio and akirio's dying most of the time but if they're trying to keep akirio alive that's actually great for you you don't care yeah death missile staying alive seems pretty reasonable yeah the thing that does irreducible damage to all, all your things oh you want to keep that alive 
you got it, champ. Um, but is a very easy Vendetta target, to be fair. I think that's very reasonable. I, I, I wonder, and I don't want to cut you off before you finished your uh, thinking points, but um, uh, Molly, ever? Yeah, she. that was the, the next one in the last is, is Molly, because you can churn out your opponent and then have very good hidden martyr targets in Cruelligans. But also, uh, she has a very good... Uh, very fantastic catch and release in those same cruel again so you don't care if they die also very good at breakthrough also very good at being like uh i'm just gonna wait you out until it is now my time to shine and then kill something downside to that is everything is defense four and your highest defense models are children <laughs> which i always laugh at when i'm playing while they um but yeah she she has a lot of play into this and you can also play a very uh, more out of keyword game plan with just our focal point in Archie or Molly herself, where she just finds a rock to stand on and just like points at people and it's like, no, bad. Yes, can confirm that is painful. Um, <laughs> I've, I've, I've experienced that and it's. Um... Yeah, lucky I'm not McMorning too. <laughs> McMorning is the second master. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, that's a big that was, yikes, that was, dog. That was Molly one hiring McMorning one, morning one, and standing and it, on a big rock and saying, "Oh, did you want to repeat that action? Well, screw you." <laughs> yeah, and then McMorning being like, "Climb jump, you got it." This was before the uh, master of Rada. <laughs> yeah, uh, was, I was going to say that was good times. That was sad times. Yeah, um, you're just sad you'd lost. No, no, it was it was well played. It was well played. But I mean, yeah, so obviously, I was sad I lost. I even told you it was coming and you didn't believe me. <laughs> I, I was like, it. I was like, this guy, nah, no ways. He doesn't have the balls to do that. Sure. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> so, whoa, 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 whoa. Retreat. Tackle his cover with small children. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I borrowed his cruelligans. Because I, <laughs> I didn't bring my own cruelligans down because I thought, nah, I can't be bothered with that. And then I got there and I'm like, I could be bothered, actually. So I had to borrow some Krulligans. Speaking this, this of... Was, um, for, for context, everyone, this was our trip down to Conquest Christchurch in... Was that 2022? That was last year, last yeah. Last year. Dude, time flies. Yeah, that's done in Christchurch, um, down the other end of New Zealand. So we went there, the pack mentality, back before we were even... Um, before we were even the, the mutts from hell. We went down there and uh, repped Auckland. Didn't win, but we repped. We tried. I came we second, tried. if that helps. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I can't remember what I came. You came. That's the important thing. You were there. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't doesn't matter. Came. Um. <laughs> so Showed up. Any it's other? Always yeah. <laughs> any other Reza insights before we look at? I guess teal or. Um. There's a spicy like. Um. Uh, again, Seamus list you can play, but he does suffer in the fact that his keyword is shit so you often have to bring out his keyword stuff to push the markers so i do believe you are better off with playing stuff that already has the better keyword is probably not the because his keyword's fine it's serviceable but is um, um did dandies are they four stones or five four stones i've always liked them a eh? four stones five oh, wounds manipulative disguise disguise yeah. wound. like damn these things are durable for four stones and that yeah. to me is like carved material, but and they're, they're also, also very don't... dapper. 
they're also very dapper, but they also don't have a lot of out of keyword movement by themselves. Uh, sorry, out of activation movement by themselves outside of double doxies. Uh, and they often push around Seamus himself or uh, Sybil or the higher priority targets. But yeah, they, they could do well, but you don't have that sort of punk leap or Archie leap or Krulligan placing within one or two, yeah. I can't remember, and being yeah. like push marker and then hang around for catch and release. Yeah, I I agree. I massively value the ability to do a lot of movement in an activation and still interact once or maybe even twice yeah, in so, some permutation. Like, you know, obviously the interact, leap, interact, or place double interact, for example. Like, there's so many powerful things that, that opens up. Yeah, so in the Castle crew, you have these things called blood vessels. They're about four or five stones, I forget. Uh, and they have an ability to place next to a non-minion uh, model, a uh, keyword model, and have a trigger to attack or have a trigger to put you on a minus one. And then they have a bonus to take two, two irreducible to interact. And those things are fantastic. And I love them. I didn't think I would like them, but they've <laughs> grown on me quite a bit. Um, so yeah, like shout out to them. Uh, they have hard to kill as well, which is a slight downside in something with hidden modders with fire around. Because they'll just be like, push you into the fire. You catch on fire. Oh, you're at hard to kill. Die to burning. Whereas... The Karai crew does not have that, where they like push you into fire, and your models like go, come get me. <laughs> cool story, bro. Cool story, yeah. bro. Yeah. When I saw those pieces of lava and the the train where you can station an attack to then leap through it, there was even more of a like, oh, Karai seems pretty spicy here. Like, I'll walk up and focus behind this train. Are you sure you want to come in the general vicinity of this train? Because I might just be spooky ghost coming through the train at you like next turn yeah because karai herself can on a trigger uh ignore models and terrain <laughs> to push herself through and all the models yeah. so you can just be you can be chilling on the other side of the train being like yeah this is fine and then suddenly there's just ghosts and you're like oh no <laughs> suddenly ghosts suddenly suddenly there are ghosts oh no and they're not, and they're not yeah, yeah. quite frightening they're not the good types of ghosts either. Like this isn't the ghosts that Aragorn has like said, "I will free you if you fight for me." These well, are they are. They just like, you didn't sad. have the free you bit. <laughs> yeah, it was like, "I will eat your face," and that is the bargain. There's, there's no, there's no good. You just something, something enslaved spirit. That yes. seems so sad. Oh, you can't use your focus either because of enslaved spirits. Oh, don't remind me. That's wow, wow, we Um. Yeah, I guess looking into this one from the explorer's perspective, it's Carver Path, which I feel is very good for us, just generally speaking. Um, definitely McCabe is massive in this pool. You can play a six stone and underbuild very easily and comfortably here, where you start with like three botanists, a Huckstereck, Obscurator, maybe a Cryptologist. I kind of like him as a flex pick here. He ignores uh, with depths of Malifaux all the lava as well, does some cute things. Um, I've also enjoyed... Dr. Beeb and Calypso in these kinds of builds. They draw you cards, they give you scrap early, which you can use to grow your botanists because you push the Carver Path markers through them. Then you get a free grow token. That's pretty good. So like, there are a number of builds you can create with um, McCabe where you cap out at six stones at most. It just makes Vendetta very not good because a lot of opponents will be like, hmm, I want to score Vendetta. I'll bring, I don't know, an example which 
as common as something like the Lone Marshal. Maybe but, not great on this map, but like you know, Lone Marshal is generally good, and they like they just can't score anything against you. Um, Hitter Martyrs, you've got a billion different permutations, and it's also hard for them to score against you with some of theirs. Catch and release again, billion options. And when you bring your triple botanists, as long as you're getting at least like two full turns out of all of them, you have so much AP that Carver Path is just a joke. Um, outside of McCabe, I think Nexus? that Nexus 2, yep, Nexus 2 has some weird corner case play where you just weird again bring like three botanists and then between your three masters and your three botanists, you now have what is that like? Is that 18 AP? Yeah. 18 AP for spending 18 soul stones. That's pretty good. Um, you do need to grow the botanists, and it's not the easiest thing to do. But because it's Carver Path again, it's a bit easier than it might look. You just like put down a web, push the marker over the web. Here's a grow token. Nice. Um, and then you may have the Meredith engine or something to help grow the rest. They could possibly see some play here. Um, but overall, I would say it's round five. You could be up against a really good opponent if you're doing decently well. You probably want to play a comfort pick um, and then just bring in a couple of good models to push, be that your botanists, be that your Vernon Wells, whatever you're feeling is like the right pick. Um, but were it me, I would probably pick McCabe for this one and go for that kind of build. Um, I've played it a lot to a lot of success, and it's very enjoyable as well for me at least. So that's probably where I'd end. That kind of build. <laughs> Alright guys, welcome back to round five. Uh, we had me and Brendan match up. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. And who did you end up facing up against, Michael? Played against another Kiwi, Will. So we had multiple Kiwis in Civil Wars here, which was always good times and helps with the time zone too, as we've already established this episode. Yeah, we had the, the Kiwi on Kiwi violence. Um, lucky for lucky for everyone involved, the time zones went absolute hot shit. So do you want to talk about your game, Brendan? Yeah, so I was against this complete <laughs> bozo. No, um... <laughs> so obviously, look, uh, we all committed to a variation of uh, Scorpius in this event. So I had used uh, a like I used some bung perks. I used some good perks. I ended up with uh, cover path in the last round. It's something that I'm very comfortable on with uh, one of my comfort perks. Probably, I would argue the best master in my stable at the moment uh, in Lucius Two. Um, playing against Hamish, it's sort of, it's that like, again, that cat and mouse game of we play together a lot, we play a lot in person, and so we understand each other's playstyles relatively effectively, um, and I think, particularly with our focuses over the event, I have been trying to play a little less Murder Hobo uh, across the course of the event, uh, which ended up being quite positive in my favour. Uh, my crew was honestly a pretty standard crew nothing terribly too scary um it ended up being let me just double check uh lucius, lucius. Matheson with an llc the scribe two changelings guild lawyer guild steward undercover reporter plm uh, the lone marshal with a lead line coat and oh this was my spicy book a false witness um 
there are a couple of different reasons for that. Uh, was supposed to be really, really strong. Um, for an extra following orders model that had false claim. Uh, just, just a bunch of different things that really mattered, I suppose. Um, but it was also just a body on the field that cost five soul stones. I thought about hiring uh, something separate uh, in in a separate five soul stone model, like an orderly, but against uh, what Hamish inevitably declared, I didn't feel comfortable uh, bringing such a squishy model. Um, but we'll, I suppose, let Hamish talk about his crew as well. Yeah, mine was Molly, one with the Whisper, Necrotic Machine, the Valedictorian with the Whisper, uh, Archie, Philip and the Nanny, Gravedigger, two Krulligans. Um, I found this list a bit spicy because uh, I don't normally bring Valedictorian out of Keyword, but I've started to do it a lot more as I just need something to just run distraction and murder uh and against what i thought brandon was gonna bring i just needed to dive back line and just wreak havoc which he which he did but um unfortunately i got a bit tangled up trying to fight over the terrain in the middle between us so it didn't end up mattering that much yeah i think that was a, a very very good point uh i believe you stuck me in the bottom wedge uh which ended up being a big decision making point for me about what i brought with my crew normally with this lucius crew i like to bring the power rider but with this deployment zone on wedge and that south side corner of desolate wasteland you you just do not have the space for another 50 mil model particularly one that needs nice straight lines to really feel effective so we delegated that we were not going to spend soul stones on a lot of killing this game. We were anticipating, obviously, Archie uh, with Molly coming out. Uh, it's a one soul stone discount on a really, really fantastic uh, schema killer. Uh, but we sort of really wanted the Ruthless with TLM, and that's about it. Uh, I wasn't that interested in, in necessarily having to kill multiple models with Power Rider. TLM combination. It was sort of if if I can accrue an advantage and make someone like Vale jump on scheme duty, I I feel pretty comfortable with it. Uh, the rest of the crew is survivable enough uh, with the disguised on changelings that they can pretty happily just nude their scoot up the board. Um, and the undercover reporter, which is something that I'm trying to get to grips with because a lot of guild players really enjoy the model, uh, is. Yeah, quietly quite good against what Molly is doing. Um, I can often just plop the undercover reporter in my opponent's deployment zone for breakthrough uh, because of the Krulligans and how they tend to activate later in the turn. Uh, and uh, inevitably, that is pretty much what ended up happening. I think I plopped your Gravedigger in and promptly uh, beat the living daylights out of it with the Lone Marshal's gun. Uh, which ended up scoring me a, a pretty reasonable sum of points in that upper uh, top left quadrant. Yeah, what what really got me was you just eating random scheme markers with the undercover idiot and scooting. I thought I mapped it out, and then you're just like, eat this and scoot. And I was like, I have made an error here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I took Breakthrough, uh, and I scored R point on it, and I did it with... Um, Philip and the nanny, who just basically never hit his boring conversation aura, so kind of just ran down a side and into the deployment and just 
was trying to be annoying, tied up Lucius for a little bit because Lucius ran out of cards through Chetty to really annoy him. Um, and I picked Hidden Martyrs on Archie and a Necrotic Machine. And I believe the Necrotic Machine ate shit first. And then you were like, ah, <laughs> oh no. But um, I ended up not having any models to score off of because Lone Marshal and Lucius are both aggressively fast when they just want to piss off. Um, so I scored three on Carve, which was really good. I, I did well in that. But um, you scored two for Breakthrough, three for Carve, and one for Hidden Mudders. I can't remember who your Hidden Mudders were. Uh, it was TLM and the Guild Steward, I want to say. Steward or Lawyer, one of one of the two was the uh, targets for those. Mm-hmm. Because you just yes, kind of yes. assume that the that they are going to get hunted, they're great sources of card draw, or they are the one piece of real damage in the crew. So, um, someone's going to want to punch the horse, <laughs> whichever person it happens to be. Um, but surprisingly, it was the support model that went down first, uh, which made the second point of hidden martyrs uh, basically impossible. So, um, we unfortunately didn't manage to get there on that. The yeah, the entire left flank of the board was pretty much just me pushing markers with changelings and false witness and the undercover reporter for the entire game ending up with multiple carvers in my opponent's deployment. Uh, as I remember, false witness died like turn one or two. Turn two. Turn two. It did interact to push a marker. <laughs> but yes, Archie, and... Archie did kill him with reckless abandon. I thought it was very brave of you uh, to attack my potential hidden martyrs target with uh with that but it works out <laughs> yeah <laughs> just remove models right yeah that's the one remove scoring ap it also didn't activate so that helped it was it was really interesting watching this game i only kind of caught the first half of it but the part that i enjoyed most obviously listening to the banter was top but also um seeing the various proactive plays you guys each made in the beginning because i remember hamish posturing with um valedictorian quite early and i was like this is interesting he's got her in a position where she can threaten pretty much the whole board because of flight and i had like this image in my mind he's going to hold her till late in turn two and then just absolutely throttle you and then it's like not nah, first activation turn two let's go and she just like flies in there and rips <laughs> half the crew apart and i'm like i mean that's another way to do it i mean now you don't have like the threat of her activating, but she is tying up models, and I think she either killed one or two models in that same activate. Like it was kind of like brutal. Um, so it was very interesting to see that difference in playstyle. I really enjoyed watching it from that perspective, and it was also interesting to see Brendan. You try to kind of like, okay, now she's in my guts. Like, how do I play around her? Steward's been pushed into the fire. There's a crazy woman with hard to wound armor and the soul stones. Like, what am I doing here? So it was really amusing just to like see the different playstyles unfold at the same time. Well, um, that's that's like the cornerstone of my playstyle as it was is lethality. I find is just pick something, kill it, and then work out from there what's going on. So I I also don't tend to hold models like Veil back because. With a stat 7 and her ability to draw cards and stun, it just puts such a pressure on what your opponent wants to do. And if they want to deal with Vale and draw me cards and waste resources, that's fine. 
but also what I worry about with Vale posturing is like you sneak out, stagger her or stun her or make her life that little bit more miserable and suddenly my lethality goes right down and I don't end up doing what I want to do with her. And that's just my thought process from there. I mean, I was in, in exactly the same position as you. I was more afraid of the veil coming in top of two and not necessarily like obviously i can appreciate killing stuff is definitely going to happen but it's more the, the tying up you know if i have to disengage or if i have to do any amount of interacting with veil vale while she is tying up 50 percent of my soul stones uh every time that they do a thing she probably can draw a card she can cycle you a card she can get you further into your deck she can get you more severes or leap cards or tns or whatever it happens to be to fuel that resource engine so it was definitely a consideration that i basically just wanted to try and take my turn in a way that i didn't have to interact with veil vale at all i just accept models will die around her and that is fine they're not pivotal to my game plan in that center point and i definitely could have could have gone on the the killing spree and tried but it was definitely more worthwhile, I think, uh, focusing my attentions elsewhere. And I agree, uh, holding and posturing doesn't really work that well when Lucius matches her willpower stat and can just down the wrong path her. And at that point, she's either sitting in fire and not a happy chappy, or she is severely out of position and just effectively has slow for her turn. So there is a lot of, like Michael said, that sort of, cat and mouse posturing uh where two play styles meeting in the middle there can actually generate some really exciting game states but I, I definitely think you made the correct decision um even if it didn't didn't end up panning out i was able to play through it i think you missed uh moderates on negs two times in a row to just one tap my lawyer um which was just like super unfortunate and, and you know could have happened on the stat seven to the stat four but Dips the brakes, so flips happen, right? Like, yeah. if I'm relying on those negative flips, like something's gone wrong. But if they, but with the stats here, and I'm often with the cards to force it, but sometimes it just you flip a 13 and you're at a 17, and I can't get above a negative, yeah, yeah, or I don't want to commit more cards. Mm. It's interesting that we both went for the same set of schemes. Did you ever at any stage consider bringing uh, catch and release? Because that was something that I was playing around. I, I thought that you would just hunt children, which you ended up doing. So I didn't want to rely on them for my points, even though I took breakthrough with the hope that I could get a child into your backline. But I, I have to admit to myself that with a 14-inch gun and one of your models with secret passage that if you want to hunt children you are going to and it is often the correct choice to do so because a lot of my value comes from me just being like child go again and if you can stop that it's much better for you so i just didn't want to rely on points on something that you are incentivized to kill anyway so there's there's this and that right so yeah um the other one I was thinking of was like um, Vendetta, but I didn't have good targets against your LLC Lone Marshal. I didn't really yeah. want to fight Lone Marshal, so I kind of just stun tapped him and then just left him alone and just tried to neuter what he was doing, like get something engaged with him and just force him to be a pony. It was pretty aggressive, the stun. I, it, it, 
there were a few, obviously. I have quite a few dispel magics in the in the crew with both the steward and the scribe. So the stunned I don't think ended up sticking after turn two. I think turn two is when I killed a child with a crit strike mm. negative. Um yeah. which ended up being like super fortuitous. But uh yeah, I think that the stunned was again, it's just card pressure. It's it's you know, I have to have that six or the five for the ten and it's it's quite a quite a challenge to really get over the line on some of those things. Um but flips went my way. I you I aggressively used focus to hit my dispel magic teens um on the scribe and i think that's what did it for the most part and then the mm. i've got your back just being absolutely like monumental pulling the tlm yeah. out of uh out of combat was really really strong on the bottom of two I, as well yeah i remember having to hunt him down because he was just ruining my day slowly <laughs> yeah i mean he always will i think that for any people who go up against lucius if you can find the space to kill the totem outright through its trigger do so it is the crew is not not ineffective but it's so much easier to stat check the crew if you don't have to worry about betrayal aura uh, yeah, i was gonna say betray- and it's worse yeah betrayal aura really hits you and then you've got like i've got your bag and dispel and you're just like go away you little two stone model it's just it's honestly competing for best totem and in, in faction for sure it's it's got to be one or two uh in my mind at least so it's yeah it's a very very strong model i'm really really into it and i think you guys often correctly assess when it has to die and it is often very early um but it, it just has such great ap it's got great positional control and it also just you know it's it's a node for changelings it's just got lots of synergy with the rest of the crew as well which is quite nice yeah, so six five to you, Brendan, and uh, three two, end of round five. Yeah, yes, I think three two record makes sense. And I made two three. Michael, tell us about your going ons. Sure. So I was against Will, as we mentioned before, and he was playing outcasts. Uh, in recent times, he's bullied me a lot with his outcasts and made me a very very sad person. Uh, so I was a bit worried. It was Carver Path, so I figured he's on Tara or Zip. Those are generally the good outcast picks for this. Um, I haven't really seen him play much Tara of late, um, but I, ha- I have seen him play a bunch of Zip, so I was like, okay, it's probably Zip. Um, this was disappointing because I was really keen to crack out Lord Cooper here, playing Golden Scorpius. I sort of saved Lord Cooper for last because I-, I think on wedge deployment he's really good, and on Carver Path I think he's got some solid play. Um, so I was really keen to pick him, but he's kind of doo-doo against Zip and kind of terrible against uh, Tara at times. Against a skilled opponent, it is it is miserable. So I decided not to do that, um, and so I was a coward and picked Nexus. Um, when I saw it was Zip, I pondered long and hard about picking Nexus 2, which have kind of, since their nerf, been Ill- essentially irrelevant and no one ever picks them. But I was thinking to myself, Zip's willpower is only five. Like, imagine a world where he gets a bit aggressive and I just dogpile him with the kids who all attack willpower all the time and maybe even get some parasites on him nice and early. Um, there's quite a lot of outcast models with only willpower five. And so I toed and froed and toed and froze, but eventually I was too much of a coward and I picked Nexus 1 to go for a more standard kind of build. Um, looking at his build, I, th- I think I made the right choice because Nexus 2 would have been 
just bullied out of existence. Um, he picked uh, Captain Zip 1. He picked Earl Burns with an Iron Skeeter, of course. Uh, no upgrades for the Iron Skeeter. I know a lot of people really like to buy the... There's an upgrade you can give on him, which which provides like a movement boost or something, as well as Disguised, I believe. Wanted Criminal, I think it is. He didn't pick that here. He did bring the first mate. He did bring Bo Fishbocker. Then he brought Mad Dog, who I was expecting and was upset about, but was expecting. And then he brought 33, who I was not expecting and I was surprised by, and then very quickly extremely angry about. <laughs> it turns out two places at once and Zips, like, automatic attack where you pick people up as part of it is horrid um so zip has up we go where you hit someone and you place them within three he stat three against size so he's almost always connecting and two places at once just basically says when you would place something place it even further away and so this map had fire everywhere and my stats were shoddy so it wasn't really a good time for me um the first three husks that i spawned this game i, I was on the east side and will was on the left um, the first three husks I summoned each had like an activation each before they were promptly like basically Olympic shot putted all the way into the fire and just ceased existence um, in a very horrible manner. Uh, 33 was honestly such an MVP in this game. It was a nightmare. Against Nexus, I low key think this model's amazing. You don't want to just fling her in there to just fight everything because she will get brought down. But Will played um, 33 quite smart. He sort of kept her in and around his crew. And so, like in the mid game, when I wanted to use Nexus to fling a model forward, okay, cool. It flings that cool. It's actually in the fire. Bad luck, bro. And I was like, oh no. And the same thing with the creeper. The Night Silk Creeper wants to hop across the board and suddenly be relevant. And Will just casually reminds me, oh, you know, if he goes in that web, he won't end up in that web. He will end up in the fire. <laughs> and so when, um, when there's hazardous and there's a crew that wants to hop around, 33 is absolute misery. Um, so in terms of schemes, uh, sorry, I suppose I'd better go for my crew. Uh, first, I, I ended up picking pretty standard kind of looking uh, Nexus crew, obviously with Nexus itself, uh, a couple of husks. Uh, sorry, uh, a couple of nests. We had uh, Meredith with Flush with Cash, a Spell Eater with Flush with Cash. We had a Night Silk Creeper, one Eyes and Ears, one Intrepid Effigy, one Botanist, and one Archivist. I picked the Spell Eater. I've, I've really come to enjoy this model of late. I don't think this was the best place to play it on second thought. I think generally this model is great, but on Carver Path with concealing being pushed around i don't think this is really where this model is great i picked the effigy because a cheap model that can interact and push nexus forward seems very useful for carver path uh, so i didn't regret that and obviously botanists are great in this kind of strat and to some extent they are easily grown within a nexus crew i could only hire one botanist because i was doing golden scorpius and had already hired two botanists prior in round two so jokes on me for picking mccabe so early i suppose um, in retrospect, I think if you were playing this game just for pure competitive, I want to win at all costs kind of approach, I, I probably would cut the spell leader and probably also the effigy, although it pains me to say that, and just get three botanists. Um, with Nexus 1, it's an interesting question around how much keyword do you include, because it makes Cadmus rolls easier. Um, so if you go too versatile, it actually gets really difficult to do your Willow Cadmus nonsense. Uh, but that being said, I, I still think that the engine is efficient enough with the botanists, especially on Carver Path, where you get basically a free grow token just for interacting that 
it's a no-brainer that they're a good pick. Um, but I couldn't pick that here, and so I tried something different. In terms of our schemes, Will took Breakthrough, which he managed to secure a point for, and then he took Vendetta, which he couldn't. I took Vendetta, and I couldn't get a point either, so that was like, you know, whop whop. And then I took Hidden Amada's uh, scoring a single point. Um, I had actually taken Vendetta and Hidamata's on the same model of mine, my Spell Eater, kind of banking on the fact that it, it has flush with cash, it has decent stats, it steals uh, suits away from people, and I've got We Are Legion. So it's a pretty durable model, all things considered. I've sort of felt like this can see the end of the game. But because I've Vendetta against 33, who was just never in a position for me to realistically go after. Um, also, Bo's kind of silly with his healing, so it was never really going to be an easy option. Um, so the game eventually ended up as a we annoy each other as much as humanly possible. I flung the botanist really early in to annoy Mad Dog and make him irrelevant, which he basically did for two turns. He held up most of his whole crew for two turns, which feels great. The problem being Zip was just like throwing models into the Shadow Realm and they were really upset. And with Melee Reach 2, he's able to really crush the crew uh, the combination of chatty and boring conversation is brutal when you have low willpower models that are trying to do things. Um, I did at one stage manage to get my Relentless Husk. I think the fourth one that I summoned before it got obliterated um, managed to get in melee with with um, Zip and turn off his defense trigger, which felt great. So I could actually go to town and start slapping him around with Nexus. But um, I mean, at that stage, it's round four. Honestly, it's too late in the game for that to really matter. As an Exus player, you really want those Parasites going on early for them to stack up and add the value. Um, so it was an interesting game. We, we both basically did as much as we could to annoy each other, to try and make each other like concede out of sheer anger. <laughs> um, and so it was an interesting game. We ended up a 4-4 tie, which felt about correct considering how difficult the game was. Um, there were a lot of really, really narrow moments where, where flips were critical, but also just tight gameplay from both of us. A uh, very, very difficult game, and it, it came down to very fine margins. And so a 4 4 tie seemed appropriate. Um, always good to play against Will, and always very, very, very tough. So I will happily take a draw against him instead of another clobbering, as I've had from him in recent times. Knowing what you do now about the interaction between. Uh zip the crew generally and the two places at once um would you have changed up your list at all obviously you you mentioned that you know triple botanist would have been would have been the right play uh, with fewer keyword bottles and things like that but would you would you have anticipated that and potentially been able to switch up your entire game plan or is that sort of asking too much from a, a crew that is pretty functionally synergistic I think the fact that I wasn't expecting 33 in any way, shape, or form really caught me out. I didn't expect it, and so that interaction wasn't even on my radar. If I had known this is an interaction that will be hired, I might reconsider the Knights or Creeper entirely. Um, a lot of his value is early game setup, focus, and stuff like that, and then mid game hop in and hit someone three times with stat seven, which is quite good, and then be just durable enough that they probably can't one hit you. Uh, defense 6 with hard to win is really good at that um, but if he can't get his solid 12 inch place he feels really upset so there were other considerations I, I might have made in retrospect uh, things like the sandworm I mean they feel a bit sketch because this map didn't have a lot of severe but 
you can create webs, so you've got some play. Um, certainly, the Creeper felt a little lackluster here. If I wasn't playing Golden Scorpius because I'm a masochist, I probably would have just gone triple botanist and called it a day. But we set ourselves that goal, and so we had to kind of play within those constraints. And and so this is the the approach we did go. Um, the other approach would have been Nexus 2, like I say, probably with triple spell eater to just be full machine gun line kind of thing with lots of attacking willpower at range. But um, I'm glad I didn't pick that because I, I, I kind of think I would have been clobbered even worse if I did. How much did the zip concealing aura mess with you? Uh, a smaller margin. There's not a lot of shooting within the crew that I ended up picking. And because Carver Path already has concealing markers around, I wasn't super all in in the whole let's shoot them to death. It did make the Archivist a little less good. It did make the Spell Eater a little less good. But a lot of the time, Nexus was just asking those models to focus end of turn anyway with Will of Cadmus. There were a couple of times where a big brain played to like interact and get the Carvermark path going a bit further. But for the most part, we were just asking models to focus because that was available. And so I, if I needed to get through concealing, I could. And so I did. Oh, it sounds like you had a great time. What was the end score? Sorry, sorry 4-4 four, four tie? Yeah, 4-4 four, four tie. He, he got breakthrough right at the end, and I picked up and hit a martyrs earlier, and we each got three on the strat. Nice, nice. So that was end of the Three Demon GT. What did you... Do you remember what you ended up placing overall? Um, I think... So I was 3-1-1, and I th- hmm. I'm pretty sure there were, like, eight players who had 3-1-1 scores, and mine was ranked lowest of the <laughs> of the, the array of 3-1-1 players. Um... <laughs> So that was that was mildly disappointing. Uh, Will was one of them, of course, and so him placing above me was even more salt in the wounds. Um, I will see if I can bring it up as we discuss this, but yeah, I think that ended up putting me down to about fourteenth or fifteenth or or even lower than that. Which, when you only technically lose one game, is slightly salt-inducing. Uh, but then again, I remind myself I did only win three games, so it's not like I was. Just completely stomping everyone. So. Yeah, it always reminds me of the the one event that I had where I tied every single game and like oh, won won the last one, and it was like <laughs> I have not technically lost. The ham dog <laughs> special. Yeah, yeah. I, people I were like, people were like five draws. I was like, I swear to God, if I don't crush this guy, I'm just gonna concede. Just gonna concede. Yeah, I'd rather lose <laughs> than draw. <laughs> That's very yeah. fair. That's very fair. I, I can't actually find this one out of interest, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I placed like twelfth or fourteenth or something. It wasn't particularly impressive. Um, I would say though, one thing: it was very enjoyable and satisfying to do it. Uh, Golden Scorpius is particularly. Uh, yeah, it's an experience. I think Iron Scorpius alone is already a fun enough way to play in a tournament of four or five rounds, but Golden Scorpius, uh, which again, you don't hire any duplicates of any models past their rare limits, is an extra limitation, which is quite fun. I think it's probably easier in Explorers because our keywords like our keywords. We don't have a lot of ubiquitous versatiles where we always want them, but I would recommend trying Iron Scorpius or trying Golden Scorpius to anyone who... You're quite deep in the faction. You know, you've played your 50, 60, 70 plus games as the faction and you're looking for a challenge, uh, especially if you're just going to like a two day GT or something. Whip it out and, and have some fun with it. It's You'll be surprised at how 
much you enjoy some of your lists of played masters and how much it makes you think outside the box on how you're going to solve things where you would normally just say, well, I guess I picked McCabe. Wouldn't know anyone like that, would we? Wouldn't, wouldn't know anybody. <laughs> complete mystery. Complete. <laughs> complete. Yeah, I, that's why I wanted to play um, Iron, because I always kind of default to Karyoshtuk. It's good to just be forced off of them and yeah. now play the, the different stuff. And and it's it's cool because you play new stuff. Like, I basically never played Jedza and kind of didn't see a reason to bother. But I played her in round three, got pretty close to beating Plague, which I was pretty happy with. And as a result of that game and like the theory around that game and the cool things the crew can do, I went and like bought the Nightmare Jedza box, which I otherwise wouldn't have bothered with. And so I'm quite excited when that turns up to see those spooky ghost boys um, and, and just play something a bit different. Um, it just helps to build out your stable of masters as well. I think in previous ones we chat around, had I had Jids in the stable with a few games under my belt, even though she's not like a go-to for me, the fact that you could pick her in Cursed really does change the dial quite a lot. Obviously, as we move further and further into the next GG, Cursed isn't like a big factor, but those kinds of strats will come here and there, and you're always going to want something a bit different, something spicy. Especially if we keep to this GG all packet. True. As as we do the tournaments, because five rounds with only four mainstay is kind of annoying when you have to repeat one. So having the option to just be like, GG all is here is a really good question to ask your your stable like hey if we go back a gg or two like what do i whip out especially with these newer masters 100 percent, i couldn't agree more and it's also nice to play some of the lesser known ma- masters like i left terry on the shelf the whole tournament which felt very very um very good so i'm not just reaching for the latest new hot hot sort of like power creep models i'm like i'm playing the old school ivan one like shenanigans like that was great <laughs> So. Yeah, it's like I asked myself the questions like, "What is Brendan likely to play in round five? I'm like Lucius or Lady J, and I'm like, "It's gonna be Lu- uh, it's gonna be Lucius." And I'm not gonna bring McMorning because I love that dynamic of McMorning versus Lady J. Yeah, that's it's always a fun matchup, but uh, yeah, just it's an interesting concept to play different masters. Um. I think with that, we have wrapped up all five of the rounds, um, so we can probably go ahead and wrap up the episode. Uh, again, this is part of the Malifaux World Series. We do monthly events. This will be the very last event, which is primarily GG3. Uh, I think going forward into the newest, um, the next season of Gaining Grounds, GG4 presumably, when that comes out, we will um, have events to support that. So, um Encourage anyone who wants to try their hand online, anyone who lives in a more remote location, uh, to to look us up. Um, Discord's probably the easiest place to get started. We are the Malifaux World Series Hub, um, and there's lots of cool tactica chat there as well, if that's um, what you're interested in. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? No, I'm good, man. I think we've... Uh, no, I, I, I think we're mostly fine i think uh i do want to echo that the vessel world series sorry malifaux world series is uh wrapping up very very shortly and we're heading into our top 32 i believe we have some content coming through for that uh, on the inside scoop um that should give us a really, really good look into that top 
to looks like. Uh, stay posted, uh, particularly if you're interested in watching some uh, Malifaux World Series games uh, on the YouTubes. Yeah, that's a great shout. We'll have details available around that top 32 um, as the uh, timeline sort of moves forward and make that visible and public to everyone. Um, they'll either be live streamed or recorded games for you to, to, to check in on. So if you want to see what one could argue are like some of the best players around the globe hacking it out against some of the other best players around the globe, um, that's the place to be to learn. Um, so thanks everyone for tuning in uh, and we look forward to doing more pool coverage and event coverage with you guys uh, in another, another time. Signing Thank out. Thank you, CR. No. Out. <laughs> Composure, people. We're professionals. Okay. Now you have to cut this out, you fuckwit. And by Sorry. you, he means me. <laughs> <laughs>